0: My name is Michael Bray, and I'll be reading from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, but on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, Um, I want to invite you this morning, church, open your Bibles to Ephesians
1: chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, I'd really encourage you this morning, grab one in the, in the seat backs in front of you, or I should say in the seats underneath you. We are continuing our study in God's Word. If you're visiting with us, if you haven't been around the church very long, uh, let me just let you know here at Valley Center Community Church, we love to preach the Word of God and our practice is to preach through books of the Bible. And uh, so if you're just joining us, then uh, you're coming to the end of our study in the book of Ephesians. Next Sunday will be our last Sunday in this book that we started in late October of, of last year and, um, and so... In many ways, uh, it's uh, like saying goodbye to a a good friend, but I've enjoyed our time there and I hope you have as well. So we find ourselves in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, starting in verse 10 today, and we're in this final section of the book where the Apostle Paul comes and he begins with this exhortation that we see right in the text where he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Last week, again, he gave an overview of this text and and why we have this exhortation here. But what Paul is doing here in Ephesians chapter 6 is he's not just simply bringing his letter to a close, but he's really pulling together all that he has said thus far. And and he's really slamming it into this one little verse where he's calling us to be strengthened in the Lord. That's what it means, to be strong in the Lord. He's saying, I'm, I'm exhorting you to be strong in the Lord, to be strengthened in the Lord, to find your strength in Him Because he's got all the might and he's got all the power. And the reason why he gives this exhortation, as we saw last week, is kind of twofold. It's because in the passages before this, what he has pointed out, that as followers of Jesus Christ in this world, we have internal struggles. We have these internal struggles. We still uh, exist with uh, a sinful nature and the presence of sin in our world. While it's true that through Jesus Christ, and Paul has with great clarity made this point, that through Jesus Christ... God the Father has delivered us and he has freed us from the penalty and power of sin. The presence of sin remains. While we are sealed with the Holy Spirit and empowered with the Holy Spirit to live new lives in Jesus Christ, nonetheless, church, there's still these struggles that we face. And some of those are internal. And we looked at that at chapters 4 and 5. And then in our text, as we're seeing this morning, is that we have these external spiritual opposition that comes against us in verses 10 through 20 Paul says you need the the strength that is provided by the Lord because as you look to live out your new life in Jesus Christ your internal struggles are going to be a battle and then you have these spiritual forces that are opposed to you that are opposed to the people of God and so we read here in verse 11 he says this he says put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Here's what is true. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, there are spiritual forces in this world. We're not just simply physical beings. There is a spiritual realm. There is a physical realm. And in the spiritual realm, there is a battle waging against us. In fact, Abraham Kuyper once wrote this. He said, If once the curtain were pulled back and the spiritual world behind it came to view, it would expose to our spiritual vision a struggle so intense, so convulsive, sweeping everything within its range that the fiercest battle fought on earth would seem, by comparison, a mere game. Not here, but up there. That is where the real conflict is engaged. Our earthly struggle drones in its backlash. Do you believe, do you know that there is more than just what meets the eye? That that there is a spiritual realm and that we are not just physical beings, but we're spiritual beings. This is the reality that Paul is drawing us into, you know, as Westerners, As modern people, sometimes the idea of there being a spiritual realm is somewhat poo-pooed, right? The devil and demons, you know, are are they really a a thing to, to worry about? But the truth that God proclaims is yes. There are forces that are against God and are against his, his people, um, one of the movies. I don't often like referencing movies, but this one is relatively okay. I think is uh, the movie "Nacho Libre." I don't know if you've ever seen seen this movie. Oh, there's some good lines in it, um, and uh, one of the lines is that Nacho Lib- Nacho, who's the uh, who's the hero of the, of the story, he's with his his partner, and they're wrestling, and and they're getting ready to go into a wrestling match, and. And Nacho is telling his friends, you know, about the things that are opposed to them. And, and, and Nacho's friend looks at him and he says, I don't believe in God. I only believe in science. And uh, and, and to Nacho, who is a religious person in the movie, you know, he, he's just mortified that his friend cannot believe in the spiritual realm. And And I find that that's often true for Western people, that we start talking about the devil and demons, and some people get uncomfortable about it, but but I just want you to to think about something. Number one, Western culture is really one of the only cultures that goes along with Natural Libre's friend and says, I don't believe in God, I only believe in science. Like every other culture really in the world has this idea of, of the spiritual realms and evil forces that exist in the world. And, and so, so one, number one, like if you ever st- struggle with the idea of, of there being a spiritual realm, just just recognize that you're in a small minority worldwide of people that have that kind of view. You're, you're very narrow in your thinking if you feel if that. No, number two is this. I don't know how someone can just simply say like Natural Libre's friend, I only believe in science and everything has a scientific explanation to it. When you look at some of the things that humanity has engaged in over time, when you look at things that take place like the Holocaust, when you see sex trafficking taking place and the exploitation of people and you say, yeah, there's just a scientific explanation behind that. Does anybody really buy that argument? And so, so... We come as as those who look to the Word of God says, No, we have some explanation of why these things exist in in the world. And so today, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna try. All right? I'm gonna I'm just gonna take a little bit of a step back, and I'm gonna use Ephesians chapter six, and, and I want us to talk about the fact that that God's Word comes here and says, we do struggle. But not against flesh and blood, but we struggle against these spiritual forces that are opposed to God and opposed to his people. And the thing that I want to look at today is is do we know our enemy? Do we really know and understand who's being referenced here? And so we're going to look today at at the nature of our enemy. We're going to look at the goal of our enemies. And then we're, we're going to look at the tactics of our enemies, all with the hope that we can be better prepared for the battle that we're going to find ourselves in until, as we sang, that final day when Christ establishes his rule and reign forever. And so with that said, again look at our text Ephesians chapter 6 starting in verse 12 and we're gonna we're gonna look at the at the the nature of our enemies what is the nature of our enemies who is it that we're wrestling with according to the text for we do not wrestle the text says against flesh and blood right there you're not dealing with physical enemies and this is going to be important in just a minute But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, in verse twelve here, when when Paul speaks of these spiritual forces that are opposed to us, I looked at this a little bit last week. He uses these four different words to describe our enemies. And in verse eleven, he talks very specifically about the devil. And that's one of our enemies. But then he talks again about these spiritual forces that are opposed to us. And I don't think he's describing all different types. But I think he's very clearly trying to say this is, this is the, the power. This is the kind of work that they do in the world. And they're, and they're not to be trifled with. Like, like these are genuine forces that are out to fight against you. But now as I say that, the first thing that I want us to understand is that Scripture is clear. Because they're not flesh and blood, what are they? Well, first and foremost, they are created spiritual beings. If you're taking notes, the first thing that we want to know about our enemies here that Paul is referencing is that they are created spiritual beings. When you begin to look at the scriptures and what it has to say about the devil and demons, it speaks very clearly that they're real and they exist. But you have to be careful concerning how much you say about them. And, and uh, here's where I should just pause and I should say something. Um, we do not, church, we do not build doctrine and practice on speculation and inferences. Let me explain what I mean by that. We're about to, to look here at these spiritual enemies that are against us. And one of the dangers that I've seen the church fall into over its history, is saying things about Satan, saying thing about demons, saying things about these fallen angels that are purely speculation and inference, and then they build doctrine, and they build practices off of it. And it's dangerous. When you actually look at the scriptures and what it says about our enemies, there's, there's not a lot of things that you can clearly say about these spiritual beings. Oh, but there's a lot of inferences, there, there, there's, a, there's a lot of, of speculation that be, can be made. What I'm going to try and do this morning is, as we look at this, try and not to just simply speculate and to make inference, but to say, what does God's word say? And one of the God, things that God's word says, they're not flesh and blood, but we do know that they are created spiritual beings. Look at Colossians 1.6. If you have your Bibles, make note of this. In Colossians 1.6, it reads and it says this, for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Now, Ephesians 6 tells us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces and powers that are working this, in this world. Now, Colossians tells us that everything that's created in everyone was created by who? God. God. So when we talk about these forces that are opposed to us, one of the things that we're clear on is, number one, they're spiritual, right? Because they're not flesh and blood, but they are created. This is so important. Now, you want to get into speculation? (laughs) Here's where we get into speculation. When were they created? When did they do what we're about to see, rebel against God and turn away from him? The scriptures aren't clear and the scriptures don't say. I could take you to passages where people speculate and make inference, but I'm not going to do that because guess what? That's called speculation and inference. What we can say, though, is that they're spiritual beings and they were created by God. In fact, Job 38, 4-7 says this, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched out the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for, for joy term for the sons of God refers to angelic beings, and we know that the angelic beings were there when, they were early, when the world was first created, but nonetheless, those, those spiritual beings, they were created by God. Now, why is that important? Why do I make this point? Because if the forces that are opposed to us were created by God, they are not equal to him. Can I get an amen to that? Are you, are you following this train as it's going by? Because I, I want you to understand that. Whatever you're going to say about these fallen beings, whatever you're going to say about these creatures is that they're that. They're creatures. They're not the creators. This isn't the yin to God's yang, okay? It's not, you know, this, is, <laughs> this isn't Star Wars. This isn't the balance of the force. This isn't good. Need, like, no, whoever they are as spiritual beings, they're created by God. But let's make sure about this. They are deceitful and rebellious. Deceitful and rebellious, that's their character. When we're talking about what's the nature of these things, they're created beings, but they are deceitful, they are rebellious. John eight forty four says, may this never be said of you or me, you are of your father the devil and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies deceitful the very character and nature of these who are opposed to us are deceitful verse 11 says that one of the people that we battle against is the devil john 8 4 says he's deceitful second peter 2 4 says this for if god did not spare angels when they sinned but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the the judgment so there are these spiritually created beings that at some point rebelled against God who are deceitful in their very nature and character and they are opposed to, to us. But there's more to it than that. When we consider their very nature, we also know that they are knowledgeable and powerful. Yes, they are created. Yes, they are unlike us in that way. They're deceitful, they're rebellious, but they're also knowledge and Knowledgeable and powerful. Why do we say that they're knowledgeable and powerful? Well, think about this. When you go all the way back to the beginning, to the book of of Genesis, we see the serpent in the garden. You know, the Bible doesn't come out and and specifically say that the serpent that we have here is Satan himself personified. We know that he is is evil and he's there and he's there to tempt the people of God. But I love, well, I don't love, I'm amused, I should say, that that when the serpent comes to tempt Adam and Eve, he says, did God really say? He, he tempts Adam and Eve by using and quoting God's words to them. So there is an knowledge, there's an awareness from the very beginning of these spiritual forces opposed to us of who God is and knowledge of his world. We, we see their, their knowledge on display in this really interesting story. If you were to turn, you don't have to do this, but write it down. In Acts chapter 16... In verse 16, there's a story of Paul and Silas, and they cast the demon out of a young girl. And the problem with them casting the demon out of this young girl is that this demon inside of this young girl allowed her to prof or I shouldn't say prophesy, but to, to fortune tell. Um, the, the demon spoke through this girl to people and would tell people their fortune, and it says that, that The demon brought a lot of wealth to the girl's owners. Now, what I find so interesting about this story, and other commentators have have noted, is this. When you consider the, the, the spiritual forces that are opposed to us, they've been around for a very long time. They were there, it says, in the beginning. So from the creation of the world till now, they've been around and they've been watching and looking at humanity. You and I get maybe tops 80, 90 years on this earth to accumulate knowledge. Could you imagine if you had thousands and thousands of years of observing human nature and the pattern of history? Not just having read about it, but having seen it. Do you know the amount of knowledge that these beings have? Do you know why, when I look at this, like, was this demon actually able to predict the future? My answer to that is no. I just think that this demon knew people well enough and knew... The world in which they lived that they were able to tell things that eventually she was like a mentalist basically right picking up enough information and so they accumulate knowledge in Job chapter one there's a story we're going to come back to in just a minute where where Satan comes before the throne of God and God says to Satan where have you been and Satan's like I've been going here and there all across the face of the earth (laughs) these spiritual beings They've accumulated knowledge, but they're also very powerful. Where do we see their power? Last week, I shared with you this story in Acts chapter 19 that when we see demons possessing people, the people that they possess are able to accomplish great feats of strength. The demon inside uh, of the individual in Acts 19 was literally able to beat up and strip naked the seven sons of Sceva. So listen, who are these beings? They have knowledge. They're powerful. In fact... We saw this last week. We know that Satan rules over those who are not in Christ Jesus, that God has allowed him to exercise oversight over those who are not in Jesus Christ. The amount of knowledge, the amount of power that's necessary to to do that, this is the nature of our enemies, in fact, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says that, that Satan himself has the ability to blind the eyes of the unbeliever. So, so, why do I say this to you? I want you to know we have a formidable foe. We have a formidable foe. We are not to take lightly when Paul says, when God's word tells us that we are in a battle against these spiritual forces. Do you know that they exist, number one? Number two, do you know that they are a formidable foe? But before your heart sinks too much, I want you to recognize something. While they are deceitful and rebellious and they are powerful and knowledgeable, guess what? Scripture also says they're unable to do anything without God's permission. Did you know that? Did you know that the spiritual forces that are at work in the world, they cannot do anything to the people of God without the permission of God? And you say, where do you see that? I see it in three places, both Old and New Testament. The first is in Job chapter 1. We see it with Job. In Job chapter 1, verse 6, it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, "'From where have you come?' And Satan answered the Lord and said, "Ah, "'From going to and fro on the earth "'and from walking up and down on it.' And the Lord said to Satan, "'Have you considered my servant Job, "'that there is none like him on the earth, "'a blameless and upright man who fears God "'and turns away from evil?' Then Satan answered the Lord and said, "'Does Job fear God for no reason?' Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. Satan comes to God and says, God, Job, everything's good in his life. That's why he praises you and that's why he loves you. And so then Satan comes and he says, you know what? If I take away his wealth, he'll curse you. If I take away his family, he'll curse you. If I take away his health, he'll curse. He'll curse you. And so God says, I give you permission to do each and every one of those things. Job's wife looks at him at one point after Satan does all of these attacks against Job and, and she says, why don't you just curse God and die already? Now there's a wife to, to long for. <laughs> we do joke. We use that line in our family all the time. You know, Just, just curse God and die. No. Um, but he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. But his story shows us that, listen, Satan, Satan's got to ask God to do anything to Job. Satan has to ask God for permission. We see this with Peter in Luke 22, 31. Jesus is talking and he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. What is the implication? Simon, Satan can't go after you unless I allow you. Now, now, unless some of you are thinking how cruel, how wrong of God that he would allow Satan to attack us, well, then you haven't read the rest of the Bible or the rest of our passage. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna jump to the end so and say some of you are having some problem with what I'm saying because our text goes on to say that we have the power of God and the armor of God to withstand all the attacks of the enemy, all right? So, so, so don't get too depressed yet. Yeah, we'll get there, I promise. <laughs> But then we also see it in one other place. You remember Paul who actually wrote this letter in 2 Corinthians twelve seven through 9. Look at this. It says, so to keep me from becoming conceited, this is Paul writing, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation that he had received, he says, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited. And then he goes on and he says, and I pled with God three times about this that he would take it away. But look at verse nine. What does he say? My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Listen, even though this messenger of Satan is attacking you, Paul, the whole purpose of you experiencing this is so that you would see that I am strong enough, that I am powerful enough, that in me you have what you need. Because Satan's not stronger. His messenger isn't stronger And so we look at this and we say, all right, we understand the nature of our enemy. We understand their character and what they're like. But we take joy in knowing that they can't attack us. They can't do anything more to us than what God would give them permission to do. And guess what? The only reason God gives them permission is so that he might display his power and his glory in us. Because he's not afraid. Do you understand what the scripture is saying? God's, God's not worried about Satan's attacks against his people. Let me say that one more time. Do you know that God's not worried about Satan's attacks against his people because God knows that he has given you and he's given me everything that we need to withstand the attacks. That's why I go back to our text. Finally, be strong in the who? Lord, Lord. and in the strength of his might. He goes on in verse 14, and he says this, stand therefore having fastened and, and the belt of truth you have and I have what we need to stand, which is why he's not worried. He's not worried. So that's the nature. But let me quickly talk about what's the goal of our enemy, just so that we're clear. The goal of our enemy is to see God rejected by his creation. If you want to know why is he attacking us, why is he coming against us, the goal of our enemies in the spiritual realms is to see you reject God, to cast him aside. Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. And he's talking about Satan I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. In Genesis chapter three, in Job one, in Matthew four, where Jesus is being tempted, every time Satan is coming against God's people, he's doing it for the purpose of trying to get you and me to reject God and to turn from him. That's his purpose, that's his aim, that's his goal because he hates God and he hates seeing God's glory on display. And so he wants to see it He wants to see it torn down. This is who our enemy is. This is the nature of our enemy. This is the goal of our enemy. And now here's where something the Lord laid upon my heart to to say this week to everybody here. Our enemy, our enemies in the Bible, as we see clearly communicated here, are the spiritual forces who are opposed to God. Now, why why do I want you to know that and to take that in? Because I'm going to say something. If this is true, that these are who our real enemies are, then your war, your battle, and my battle, it's not against Democrats and liberals and progressives and homosexuals and transgender people and Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and Hindus and Muslims and Buddhists. That's not who our battle is against. Our battle is against the spiritual forces that hold all of those who go against God's ways under their power. And so the reason why this is important is because as the people of God, we can be attacking those who are under enslavement and under the power of the forces in the dark places. And what they need is to be delivered from the domain of darkness and delivered into the kingdom of the beloved son and not attacked personally. That's where the problem is. That's who the enemy is. Now, Am I listen to me carefully? Anyone who is living a life in disobedience to God must repent and turn from their sin. Do you hear me on that? But the real enemy, the enemy that we battle against, is this. This is the enemy. And does he hold sway over? And does he manipulate and deceive and blind? Absolutely. But those people, the only way that they can be delivered? You see, the only reason you're not living in rejection of God, the only reason you're not those who are in the kingdom of darkness is because you have already been delivered through Jesus Christ. That's the only reason why. There ain't nothing special about any of you. (laughs) Right? I mean, what makes you... It's the blood of Jesus Christ that covers our sins. And that's what we want for the world. And that's what we want for all of those in that list that I just gave who are opposed to God and to his ways. And that's what they need. Because listen, Satan's goal is their destruction. It's their destruction. So I want our energies placed in the right place. So, so what do we do? What do we do with our enemy? Well, we need to know the tactics of our enemy. We need to know the tactics of our enemy. If we're going to be able to, to, to stand against the attacks, one of the things that we want to know is how is he going to attack us? How is he going to come after us? There's this, this, this story that's told of, of General Patton during World War II. And he's there, and he's in Africa, and he's battling General Rommel of the, the Germans. This is the great picture. I don't know where. They, they, they're fighting each other in Africa, and they're, and they're having a battle. And one of the things that happens is Patton wins this spectacular battle against, against this general. And... And as the battle was happening and and the Allied troops were winning, some people have reported that they heard Patton yell out, I read your book, Ramel. I read your book. Because the Desert Fox, the Axis general who was battling against the Allied forces, he had actually wrote a book on warfare. And Patton was like, I read my enemy's book. So I knew what he was doing. I saw his maneuvers and I just just outmaneuvered him. Do you know how Satan and the, and the spiritual forces look to attack us? Are you aware of their schemes? Because look at verse 11. It says, this: it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The devil is working and his spiritual forces, the demons that work alongside him, are trying to ultimately take you down. And how do they look to do it? And the first way that I think they look to do it is by casting doubt upon God's word and God's character. See, we don't have to speculate on this. We don't have to make inference here. When you turn to Genesis chapter 3, and we see the first temptation on full display, we see what the serpent does as it comes to the woman in Genesis 3, 1. And he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? He's just, he's asking the question. He's casting doubt upon what did God actually say? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. He casts doubt upon the word of God. Did God really say And then he literally comes out and he says, God didn't say that. You're not surely going to die. You can't believe what God says. You can't trust his promises. Lies, deception, and accusation. The tactics that he uses. And God comes at us and he wants to cast doubt in your mind and in my mind about God's word and what it says. The truth of what God's word says. Rarely, if ever, Ever, I was talking with a brother this morning about this. Rarely, if ever, does our enemy attack directly. Do you know what I mean by that? Rarely, if ever, does he come and say, hey, I got a great idea. How about we reject God and his word today? What do you think? He's not gonna come right at you and do that, but he's gonna do things like this. You and I both know that God's word says that we should not lie, but then your boss comes in and asks you if you completed a project on time. And then the thought comes to you, I mean, how bad is it really right now if I just, you know, uh, if I answer him, you know, maybe with a half-truth? We know what God's word says, but we're presented with this situation where the easy road in in the moment is to just simply, well, just do the thing that's sinful in order to just get through. Or we know that God's word says not look after a woman to lust after her, But then you see a picture, and you say to yourself, well, it's, you know, I just, I appreciate beauty. (laughs) And you're just like, that picture of that woman isn't about appreciating beauty. You know in your heart what's, what's happening there. Do you still look? Do you gaze? God's word says, do not love the world or the things of the world. And so you say to yourself, I don't, it's not that I love the world and the things of the world. It's just, you know, I just need some me time. And, and, and you know, if, if I can't do this thing, you know, for the Lord, it, because, because I'm, you know, I'm taking a little time for myself or I'm, I'm investing in that hobby or investing in that activity, I'm prioritizing things other than, other than him, God will understand. You shall have no other gods before me. You see, it's just casting doubt upon God's character, upon his word. Another thing that he does is presenting the things of this world as valid substitutes for God. Presenting the things of this world as a valid substitute for God. You know, when Jesus was tempted by Satan, we have two, um, in Luke's gospel and then in Matthew 4, we see, we see Jesus early on in his ministry being tempted by the devil after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. I don't have the time to get into the fullness of this, but I'll just give you one of the things that Satan does in, in verse 3 of chapter 4 of Matthew. It says, Satan comes to him and says, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of, of bread. I mean, you've been starving out here for all of these days. You know, um, you need to eat you need to eat, aren't you, the Son of God? You should, you should, just, you should just turn these stones in, into bread. Use your power to satisfy what needs to be satisfied. Jesus comes to him, though, and he says, listen, I can't do it, and I'm not going to do it, for it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You're trying to get me to substitute obedience to God with this false substitute, He's like, I'm not gonna take the things of the world and I'm not gonna look for those things to serve as a substitute for who God needs to be for me. At the very end of the temptation, he comes to him, Satan does, and he lies to him flat out. He says, look at all the, look at all the, the kingdoms of the world. I'll give them all to you if you'll just bow down and worship me. If I'm gonna give you all the power. I'm gonna give you all the authority, not something that Satan could give. And again, Jesus comes and says, I see what you're doing here. You want me to throw everything away to go after power. He says, and I'm not going to do it, but this is what Satan does. He presents the things of the world as a valid substitute for for God. You know what he does for people today? Man, I tell you, I see this all the time. For single people, he says, you're never gonna be happy without a relationship. You're never gonna be fulfilled until you're married. And so he goes to single people who are followers of Jesus Christ and he says, there's no good people out there in the church. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to find somebody who's not a Christian. Do some missionary dating and then maybe they'll get saved, you know? He's, and so, so he says, I want you to turn away from God and what, from his fulfillment of you and find your fulfillment in relationships. You're, you're not gonna be filled until, until you have it there. Or he comes to you in your work and, he's, and he says, you know what? He says, if you don't cut the corners man, you're not gonna have what you need to provide for your family. Just, just, just cut a few few corners here. The government will never know. Your employer will never know. Your employees will know. Whoever it is. Because what you really need are those finances. And what you really need is that financial support. Otherwise, and so you say, no, no. Man shall not live on bread alone. God is enough. But the final thing that he does here is in your notes is building off your sinful nature. Building off your sinful nature. There are these uh, three texts that I find really striking in God's word. uh, And I'm not gonna get to, to all of them. I'll just point out two. We already looked at one in Ephesians chapter four. You know, when you were studying here in the book of Ephesians, one of the things that we're exhorted to do in Ephesians chapter four, verse 26 is this. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do you remember this? You know how we have natural desires? Sometimes things make us have feelings of anger. And to feel angry isn't a sin, but it's like, what are you gonna do about it? Are you gonna continue to act upon it? Notice it says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, verse 27, and give no opportunity for the devil. You see, you and I, we have natural desires. You and I, we, we feel and we experience things. And what Satan can do is, is those, we have this natural desire for something. We, we begin to feel angry and we want to express the anger. And what Paul says to us is don't let the sun go on, on your anger because, because if you don't deal with your feelings in the right way, if you don't deal with your desires in the right way, then Satan will play on those things. And he'll take you further than you ever intended to go. Anger giving in to hate. And and so this pastor says you got to be like Satan. He, he builds off your sinful nature All right, do you want me to be transparent because most of the time I'm not no I'm kidding <laughs> Never preach on spiritual warfare. All right, let me just give you that encouragement This last half of the week. It took me till about yesterday to realize Oh God you're giving me the opportunity to actually you know, be aware of what I'm preaching and to see how I'm going to deal with it. Because this week I, I found, I looked at Hannah yesterday and she's just like, you've really been been after it. Now, by the way, I don't think Satan had it out for me specifically, right? He's got bigger fish to fry, but there are other spiritual forces at work. But I saw this week, even yesterday, I saw there was a situation with my youngest daughter and it's a situation that's played itself out a, million times before. And I was asking her to do something, and, and she just, she, she didn't accomplish the thing that I'd asked her to do. Now at the same moment, I knew that the washing machine had broken down. And I knew that the, the car that I had fixed was no longer starting. <laughs> and, and, and so I have the scenario based upon scenario where my patience level was being, guess what, tested. And when my dear daughter, when I said, did you do the thing that I had asked you to do, she looked at me and she's like, I thought you were going to come back and tell me that you were going to do it. All of a sudden, I realized, oh, my emotions are just the devil's playground. (laughs) I was already in that spirit of frustration. I'm going to be transparent with you. I did not practice what I preached in that moment. (laughs) And I found my anger come out. And it was afterwards, I went to my daughter, I sought her forgiveness, you know, and I said, that was wrong for me to, to respond to you in anger like I did. And I went back later on in the afternoon, I started working on my message again, and I was like, okay, <laughs> this, is, this is what, you know, our spiritual forces, they, they want to see us fall. Now, I'm not saying that every single time we're tempted to sin, that's the work of the evil one or demonic forces. Are you, are you listening to me? Because we spent a lot of time already in Ephesians saying, like, your sinful nature does a pretty good job enough on its own. But I just, I see, I see the way, the tactics of the evil one, and are we aware of it? Because I, I, if we're not aware of it, then look at what the text says. Let's go back to it as we close this morning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the scheme of the devils. The whole reason we're talking about spiritual forces and the way that they work is because God desires for us to withstand their attacks. And here is what I shared last week. Here is what I continued to learn and experience in my life this week. And it's the last point in your notes, which is this. We withstand the attacks of our enemies with the power and armor of Jesus Christ. The only way that we can withstand these attacks is not in our strength, but in the strength that he supplies. And what the text lets us know is that if you're in Jesus Christ, you have all the power that you need. Because as we're gonna look now, and we're gonna close the book next week in this, the armor that he has given us, just look at how it's described. We have the truth. We have the truth Not only do we have the truth of God's word so that we can rightly understand what it is that we're going through, we have the righteousness of Christ that covers us. We have the gospel of peace. We have the shield of faith. We have the helmet of our salvation and we have the word of of God. I do not want you to walk out here this morning being afraid of what Satan and what spiritual forces might do in their attack against you because the truth is that we have what we need to withstand these attacks as we continually look to Christ and what he will provide. But we must look to him. May he help us as we do so. And next week as we come together, may we understand more fully how each and every day we can put on what he has already provided. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, when we take a step back as we've done today and we try and get a bigger picture of, of what's happening in and around us lord we we begin to see we begin to see that not just in the physical realm do we need your help but lord in the spiritual realm we are truly helpless without you lord our our, fo- our foes are formidable Lord, the the sinful desires that we have and that we battle against are, are enough in and of themselves. But Lord, knowing who our enemies are, knowing what they're capable of, Lord, I thank you that we can look at all of those things and still say at the end of the day, but they don't have to win that we don't have to be the ones who succumb to these attacks, that we don't have to be the ones who, who fall into temptation because, Christ, you have won the victory over our foes, that we stand in the strength that you provide, that even as you said to Paul, so you say to us that your grace is sufficient for us. Your power is made perfect in our weakness. And so, Lord, as your people... May we cling to the promises and the truth of your word. May we look to Christ and encourage one another with these things. And may we celebrate the victories in our life that are won by your power at work within us. To the praise and glory of your name, we ask these things. And all God's people said, amen Amen. and amen.